Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. Talent.com and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit Renown Talent, R E N O W N Talent.com and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career. Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. I know recently there was a post on the AAPC Facebook group page asking about podcasts and our not also classified podcast was mentioned so if you are listening because of that post a big welcome to you all just know that over 70 percent of our listeners listen to this podcast through their iphone so you could pick up your device your apple device go to apple Podcasts, and leave our show a five-star rating and a review for all previous episodes you can go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast you could check out Medical Coding Geek and Not Elsewhere Classified on Facebook and Instagram. Check out our Facebook groups by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash services. And while you're there, if you need a speaker or need help promoting your business, your brand or service, feel free to reach out to us. And of course, you could find me, Brian Kui. My last name is spelled C-U-I on LinkedIn. So today on the podcast, we continue our conversation with Stacy Buck. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to the first part of our really long interview, make sure you do that before listening to this episode. So in this episode, we begin to talk about how to become a subject matter expert. And so what you'll notice is that Stacy pretty much takes up this half of the interview in sharing her thoughts on being a subject matter expert. But then we also talk about how to evolve ourselves as a subject matter expert especially when we're talking about podcasts and transitioning into creating a YouTube channel. Please note that our original conversation took about three hours. So there was a lot of topics, a lot of discussion that I had to edit out because of time. So without further ado, here is my continued conversation with Stacy Buck. Enjoy. my question hold on what was i gonna ask you um 
I'm not an expert on mind reading. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So my question is, um, as a subject matter expert, how do you, you're you're known for being a subject matter expert in interventional radiology, diagnostic radiology? I myself consider myself I myself consider myself as a subject matter expert for CDI. How do you? Uh, create content that's new like you're not presenting the same old content how do you keep your content fresh that is always a challenge because if you're teaching coding not much is changing with coding um and so that is what i struggle with um there's a lot basically once you build like a lot of content what i tend to do for presentations is i will repurpose content and piece it together differently mm. um, where, you know, I mean, I have like a ton of PowerPoint presentations I've done over the years. So what I'll do is sometimes when I'm thinking of a topic, I'll think of like, okay, what can I pull from these three PowerPoint presentations mm. into this one and do something new with it? Um, a lot of the stuff I do the same, I mean, topics for different people because they want me to do the same topics. Like the one I just did for HIMA, I did it for FHIMA, right. I'm doing it for... I'm doing it for New York. Like certain people say, we want to have this topic. We want to see this. Other people want more, like the AAPC chapters. I do pretty much the same one for all the AAPC chapters. I start with that with like a more basics because they're all at different skill levels. That's the other thing too. Um, When you're that subject matter expert, like knowing your audience, you know, and what they need and then tweaking your content and your delivery based on the level of your audience so there's more basic, you know, content, there's more intermediate content, that kind of thing. But I struggle with keeping things like fresh and like new. And I feel like all these years I'm running out of ways to repackage this because I'm like, the right. content's not not changing, you know. Mm. Um, when we have major changes in coding, then you might change it up a little bit and come at it from a different angle mm. if there's a lot to learn. But like for 2021, we had like almost no coding changes for interventional radiology. So wow. I'm like, I got nothing, nothing new to talk about. <laughs> um, for tw- I mean, I struggled to put together a 60 minute coding update, you know, for 2021. It was Jeez. very, very lean. Wow. I spoke, I spoke slowly, which I usually don't do uh, <laughs> because I need to get you your one CE, you know, I got to get you that. Cause when you're selling it, you don't know what's going to come out. You're selling it. And then you do your content later. Right. Um, and a lot of, and a lot of stuff is coming out late this year. We still don't have the NCCI manual for me to talk about that. Wow. Um, the 2021 content still isn't there. So no, that's something that I would like to find a way to make content like more more um fresh but a lot of times something i've done 20 times a lot of people it's their first time hearing me talk about yeah. it mm-hmm. so as long as it's fresh to the audience i don't necessarily worry so much about it being fresh to me um but yeah i'm just trying to find a way like how can i repackage this what title can i put on this mm-hmm. to put a different spin on it mm-hmm. and just try to you know like intermingle stuff and and make it new and and make it fresh but the codes are the codes. It's not going right. to, you know, it's not going to change. What you do, you obviously, I think it's easier because of your subject matter. And if things are constantly changing, like especially when you get into like your podcasting and communications and things like that, you're constantly evolving. You always have new things to share with people. Um, and that aspect, even CDI, there's a lot of changes with CDI. With what I'm doing, there's not a lot changing yeah, from year so to niche. year. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a struggle, but I do the best I can and try to be creative i mean honestly i don't do a lot of interventional like i don't present any interventional radio interventional radiology webinars anymore for two reasons 
the first reason why I don't do it, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. And so is am I going to keep this one in? (laughs) You can keep this in. I don't mind if you keep this in because there are people that are going to agree with me. AAPC has, people have already gone to the AAPC about this. So I am, so people would tell you, I am a subject matter expert for interventional radiology. Mm. They love my stuff after they get their CIRCC, they Mm. would love to still come to me for continuing education, Mm. but AAPC only allows three companies to offer CEs for a CIRCC. And that has been an exclusive agreement ever since they started offering it. I have asked them about that. As far as they say, there is no, um, they don't plan on changing it. They don't plan on opening it up. Um, Members have pushed back on it. There was a member who actually had a petition signed and sent in a letter because people want it to be members because members are limited to only three companies. Yeah. And they're looking for more options and more affordable options. Right. And I've had a lot of I've had a lot of people tell me, I would take your stuff if I could earn my CIRCC CEUs from you. But because I can't, my employer won't pay for it. I won't pay for it. I need these CEs, yeah. which I get. So here, and I've always had a problem with AAPC's policy, always, because I am a vendor and I pay money to AAPC to offer CEs, okay? Mm -hmm. Here's how strict they are, okay? I've written articles for AAPC Healthcare Business Monthly on interventional radiology. Mm -hmm. They are not allowed to give me CIRCC. Oh, come on. for that. Nope, they are not permitted to do that, which is insane. And I'm like, to me, I'm like, I'm writing about IR in your national publication. Clearly you trust my information, but you won't give me CEs for my CIRCC. So what I have to do is go to one of my competitors. They don't see me as a competitor because I'm the tiny little fish in the big pond, (laughs) but I'm, but I'm paying big money to a competitor Mm. to get my CEs because I can't count the stuff that I do. It's like worthless as far as the CIRCC is. So I'm paying a ton of money to do stuff that I already know. That's the thing that gets me. I'm like, okay. I'm like that. So anyway, how did we get off on that? I don't even know. What did you ask repackaging, me? <laughs> re, <laughs> repackaging your content so that way it's uh, fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Got you. Got you. Yeah. I would be able to do a lot more with that if I wasn't so restricted. And we'll just leave it at that. So so speaking of fresh, I, I think, I think that, you know, um, hopefully AAPC listens to this. I mean, it, it goes back to what I asked is how do you keep your content fresh? And in the same regard, I think we need to have fresh presenters. I mean, it's like, like, look, I, I taught at a at a private uh, a private uh, college, right? And unfortunately, their budget was so tight that I was the only instructor from the beginning and every class for four years. And I mentioned this wow. in previous podcasts, right? So, could you imagine just having the same instructor teach you? the same, you know, uh, program content for four years. It's going to be mind boggling. It's going to be mind wrecking. They're going to be tired of you. And so I think, you know, when we're looking now at production value, uh, when you really, people should be studying YouTube, people should be studying like social media, like TikTok, whatever, Facebook, they're always looking for fresh content, fresh faces, fresh presentation styles, right? So, I mean, not to not to, you know, kind of bash the other presenters that are currently doing now, but I think there's an opportunity to be had. Right. So if you want to have fresh content, I think 
they got to look at that. They got to look at that. So like, I guess with any adversity, like you're going through uh, a situation or have been going through a situation, especially with content, people are going to get your content no matter what. And I think what uh, what's important is I do it through LinkedIn. Uh, I think my problem was, uh, I think for me for CDI was the fact that I was in a position and then I, I only had my RHIA. I had nine years of CDI experience and I wanted to get a new job just because, because I did it for nine years. Why, I, why shouldn't anybody hire me? Right. And then I go and find, I try to find another CDI position. And what do they tell you? No, you need to have an RN. I said, but hey, I passed the test. I passed the test. I wowed you guys. But then you're telling me the contract that only wants a nurse. I say, come on now. So then that's where 2015 hit. And so because of that, I, the same way, you're frustrated. I was frustrated too in 2015. I said, you know, I got to do something different. I got to do something different. I don't care what it is, but it has to be different. And so like you, I, you did tutoring. I did tutoring myself. And then something, you know, within tutoring, I was kind of frustrated with it because, um, you know, it's like it, the, for me, truthfully, tutoring wasn't paying well. And, you know, when you're, when you're, your clientele or students, and so to think that you're going to, I mean, it's nice as a side gig, but as a full-time, you know, uh, position, it's not going to work. You know, it's yeah. because you're working with students. I understand their budget and so forth. So I had to make a change. And so that's where Facebook groups came in or, and creating a medical coding geek brand. And I looked at it and well, how, you know, I'm not going to do tutoring, but now I have this brand that I was switching over back and forth. And what am I going to do with that? Well, why not just create a podcast, kind of capture what's going on in that group? Because there's so much drama going on in there because I might as well just capture that. And as how am I going to do that? How am I going to, I'm just, like you said, the fish in the pond. How am I going to go adapt to that? Well, I'm going to go to other people that are experts in the field and kind of, you know, kind of pick their brain as well. And then in the meantime, I'm going to, I'm going to record all of this. And in the meantime, I'm going to share all of this. Uh, And I think because of that, that's how people perceive me now as this this podcasting uh, expert. And so I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm the podcasting expert now. <laughs> I guess so. And yeah. because of that, you turn around again and I help people do it themselves. I think that's the idea. And I think you're doing that now is even though even though AAPC is not giving you the credit to to, I guess, become a uh, an approved vendor, there's still ways that you can share uh, or people can benefit from yourself. I mean, the 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 actual technical ability to uh, make money off of it. I mean, look, you just you told me how many <laughs> how much money you made this year alone. Yeah. Did you need yeah. AAPC for that? Not necessarily, right? Well, te- technically, yes. Partially, I, mean, I still. I still pay them for approvals. It's mm-hmm. APC members who are taking my course. So they, I'm paying them money to have my course approved. I also use Healthicity, which is their platform, which I host my content on. Mm-hmm. So they make a little bit of money like off of it, but it's negligible compared to like what <laughs> I'm, the, the overhead is minimal, but they make a little bit of money off of me doing it. But a- anyway, I don't want to get open. No, but, the, but the majority, work. but the majority is going to you, right? The majority of what you've oh, made absolutely. this year is going to you. And so you figured absolutely. out somehow a loophole uh, to figure that out in such a way that it, you are the one benefiting that. And, and so as you progress into 2021, I mean, you think you, you, you're going to expand a little bit more and, uh, and then be, you know, because it's now online, like YouTube, I mean... People, yeah. I mean, well, you haven't done YouTube yet. Are you, con- could, would yeah, you ever no. consider it? 
So I had someone recently tell me, you need to start a YouTube channel. You and I was like, I have no interest in doing a YouTube <laughs> channel. I'm like, I don't want to be in front of a camera. I'm like, that's not my thing. And, but no, the, the biggest reason why I like hesitate to do that is because when you start something like that, people want content on a regular basis. Mm, okay. And I struggle with that pressure of, 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 of coming up with new content. And like I said, in the world of coding, there ain't much new to talk about. That's mm-hmm. kind of like what I like bump up against where I don't even know what I would do. So I was trying to think of maybe some fun things and something, I don't know, but I put it in my Facebook group to ask people's opinion. Oh, like, it's great. I think you should do a YouTube channel. I'd love to listen to you. And I'm like, of course you would. Mm. Um, but I feel that that's a lot of, of work, but I want to back up for a second. You said I found a loophole with APC. Did you? It's not a loophole. It's not a loophole. You called it a loophole. It makes it sound like shady. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's not a loophole. It, it just is. I'm a CE vendor and I found another way to make money offering CEs to right. APC members. That's it. And it's what everybody else does. I'm just like, if I can't get them this way, I'll get them coming in. If I can't get them, maybe eventually one day they'll open it up and I'll be able to take advantage of that. But for now, it is what it is. I mean, you find your opportunities, you know, to make money. I mean, you know, you and I, I think of a passion for a lot of the same things. But when you want to do so many things, it's like there are only so many hours in a day and you have to make a living and so Mm. then you're like okay how do i make while you want to help people it's also about how do i get the most money for my time like i'm always looking at how can i make more money but but work less and Mm. people might think oh how dare you think like that Mm. well let me tell you you need to start thinking (laughs) like that um i work less now than i have in years and i make more money than i used to amazing um I don't do as much consulting as I used to. I probably, I work part-time, honestly. Um, and it's by choice. People are like, you know, can you, and I said, I could go out and chase more and do more. I said, but I used to be a stressed out mess and I was miserable and I wasn't happy. Um, and I made really great money. And now I'm not too far off where I used to be when I was stressed out and crazy and miserable. Mm -hmm. I still have to, you know, get up there, but I believe if I keep plugging at this, it'll grow and with the YouTube channel, what I would want to use it for, because I am considering it, is really to have more fun with it and give more coding tips and just get me in front of people so they know me and create an awareness of my online content. Yeah. Not necessarily get into stuff in depth, but short no, little no. fun things, Correct. coding tips. Mm-hmm. And you, because you know, people will share, hey, share this, look at this. And then people who don't know about you find out about you. And then you get more people funnel, funneled to you. That's, I mean, you've probably seen it too. You're trying to build a funnel for yourself for what you're doing. Right. That's what it comes down to. And really trying to figure out how the heck do I best use technology and social media to get that? I mean, I'm an, I feel like an idiot that I didn't tap into like doing anything on LinkedIn until like a year ago. I mean, like, like a lot of people, you go there, you put up a profile and what do you do? You never go back on LinkedIn. Yeah. You don't Mm -hmm. really update your profile. You don't participate on LinkedIn. And I had an aha moment last year. It was last October, I went to a networking meeting um, for just business owners and entrepreneurs. It wasn't for anything HIM, just somebody happened to send it to me and I went and it was an, an expert on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and he gave a talk on LinkedIn and we got a copy of his book free mm-hmm. about LinkedIn and like mm-hmm. how to use LinkedIn. And he was talking about how to use it for sales and, and get people. And so when he, when I got back from the, from the talk, I changed LinkedIn, I tweaked things and I started being more active and connecting yeah. with more people. Mm-hmm. And it started out slowly, of course. 
um, in the beginning, but over the past year, I think I was like around a thousand connections last year, and now I'm probably nice. approaching seven thousand connections nice. in a year. And a lot of people who never knew about me now know about me, yeah. and I picked up this business from you know getting to know people through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So it's really it's about that. And so I think YouTube, I look at it more as like a funnel. Like I want to have fun and entertain you. That's my struggle. How do I entertain people at the same time? I'm giving them coding yeah, information. Yeah, yeah. Because who wants to sit and listen to someone talk about coding and only coding? I'm like, that's so, I don't want to just talk about coding. It's so lame. Right. I mean, if I could just have a, a comedy podcast, I'd be way happier. Like an improv kind of podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because people are like, you're so funny. You're so funny. You should like do comedy. I'm like, I can't like write material and deliver it. I go, you need to sit me down with someone who I can play off of and, yeah, then we can have fun and, mm -hmm. and crack jokes. I'm like, I'm not good with scripted stuff. That's probably why with YouTube, I struggle a little bit. What, get back to the camera thing we were discussing. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you're in front of the camera and you're just talking to it? But no, I see that that's a good way. And then YouTube, if you get large enough, you know, people pay to advertise on your YouTube channel yeah, and they mm -hmm. give you, they pay you money to do that just because they want to get in front of your people. So and, and so let me kind of try to like, t we've kind of gone off on some tangents here, which I think are great. <laughs> you probably have multiple podcasts here because we've touched on like a lot of different topics. Yeah. But so let me kind of go, go into this. So one of the, one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk to you about how to become a subject matter mm -hmm. expert okay. uh, is that first of all, a lot of people always kind of want to know, how did you get started, um, you know, in being the subject matter expert? Like what are the first steps? So I want to talk about that, but there's also when I see this, ability to make passive income mm. online mm -hmm. which is what i've tapped into mm -hmm. and i've seen other people do it it's not just in, in healthcare what we do it's any industry there are people making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year some people are millionaires off of passive income right because of stuff they're doing online you know where they build this you know online content a lot of people do coaching personal coaching and they sell that stuff and just all kinds of things there is so much opportunity for people and so it goes back to like that saying where, you know, I was here, work smarter, not harder. You know, as I've gotten like older, I'm like, I want to work less and make more. And while that sounds like crazy, like you can't do that, I've been able to do that. And I'm still growing what I'm doing. And I know coders, a lot of times are overworked, stressed out people, <laughs> you know, when you're working in certain settings. And then some coders are in jobs and you know, as well as I do, some of them aren't getting paid what they should be getting paid. They're not getting paid what they're worth. Right. But that's the smart, idea. Talented people who know their stuff. So it's like, if I can encourage people to think about how they can like step out and like make an impact and share their knowledge and expertise, there's an opportunity for people to make money. You know, if, if you do become that expert and you really know your stuff and you get that reputation and then something else i've noticed with coders who go into consulting or whatever they tend to undervalue on the consulting side or that expert side what they bring to the table so like people say oh i want to start consulting like what should i charge you know kind of thing and people always put these low ridiculous rates and i'm like what are you even talking you know and i struggled with this when i first started consulting too you know, you're, you're already an expert when you become a consultant. So I've been a consultant for years, but I never called myself an SME because right. like I said, I didn't really have that title, mm -hmm. but as a consultant, you are. And so you even struggle with that, like making money as a consultant. And I can remember 
this was years ago and this is like a side, a side thing I'm going to throw in here again we could probably talk about just money and negotiating and a whole nother podcast that I would like to discuss that with you actually yeah because um, people find my perspective very interesting about negotiating and like money and all that especially when I talk to women women have a lot to learn sorry women um, <laughs> I am a woman and I learned things the hard way from my experience. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I can say that, but I've advised a lot of people on how to negotiate, but someone told me a while back. So when you consider yourself an expert, what I see is I've seen people undervaluing their expertise, right. not attaching mm -hmm. the right price tag to it. And years ago, someone said to me that people perceive value in a high dollar price tag when it comes to consulting services and things of that nature. And I'm like, interesting, you know, and I, I never thought of it that way. And so you go from charging this tiny little bit amount of money for your consulting services where you're barely getting any business. Then you like up it to where you're charging several hundred dollars an hour and then you start getting business. I'm like, whoa, you wouldn't think that that would happen. But they're like, wow, if she's charging that, she must know her stuff. Like when attorneys call me and want an expert witness and they ask me what my hourly rate is and I tell them, they're like, you're kidding me because my hourly rate is higher than some of them get paid as an attorney. Right. And I'm like, well, this is a very specific thing. And I'm like, this is the going rate. I go, some people. Good luck finding somebody more. else. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, some people get paid more. And if you want an, somebody with an MD behind their name. Right. Yeah. I'm like a fraction of what an MD would cost. Mm -hmm. Um, those, if you're a physician and you get into that kind of work, then it's a ridiculous amount of money just because you're a doctor. Right. Um, but no, so I, I see a lot of coders just not valuing that when they're trying to strike out on their own, they have that knowledge and expertise, but they feel like I've got to come in so low to get the business, improve myself. And it's absolutely not true. Right. It actually works against you. Right. And then this is another free piece of advice for people who have their own business or are thinking about it. I found this, like I've been doing this now, consulting for about 20, yeah, 20, 21 years. And what I have found, and then I've been in my own business now for over 12 years, nice. I'm going into my 13th year wow. with my own company, um, which is amazing. And I love it and I wouldn't want to have it any other way. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed in negotiating with people, when you have someone come to you and they tell you your rates, you know, these are the rates that I charge. And then they want to negotiate with you and nickel and dime you and all of that and get you to drop your rates. I used to do that a long time ago with certain people. But what I found when I did that is the people who nickel and dimed me and got me to come down on my rates were my biggest headaches and took the most time mm -hmm. for me. The people that were paying me the most trusted me to do what I was doing yeah. and they were minimal as far as like maintenance and dealing with them. I just was doing what they paid me to do yeah. and it was good and they were happy and these other people. So I'm like, that's interesting. So I've, I, anybody who comes to me for advice when they're thinking about that, I'm like, let me tell you the lessons. I have a best, one of my best friends started her own business last year, a billing company. And I said, let me tell you right now, da, 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 ran the list of like a bunch of stuff that I've learned. And then she got into business and then she didn't take my advice on some things. Mm -hmm. And she learned the lesson the hard way and she felt horrible. And I said, look at it this way. You will never make that same mistake again when it's happened to you and you've had to pay a price for it. I said, I've gone through some stuff that's not so great, but you know what? You never make it again. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's, so I always kind of come at it from that. And I, so anyway, back to why I'm doing this. If there are people out there who are doing this now or are trying to do it, I want them to know that what they have is valuable 
And then the more you get out there, that's where speaking, like speaking is huge. Um, that's really when people consider you an expert. When you're speaking in front of an audience, you know, you may not be the, you know, biggest expert, you know, in, in the United States, but the fact of the matter is people are looking to you as the expert when you're in the front of the room. They're there to learn from you and hear from you. You know more than they do. That's why they're there. And that's why like with you, you're like, oh, well, I kind of just tell people what I've already did and from my experience. Exactly. You have more expertise than they do. Mm. You know, it's like someone said to me, because I use this is like in a, in a personal situation, but it applies in any situation. And it kind of ties into what you were saying is that I used to say to her, like, I don't really understand how I could like help someone else. I feel like I have so far to go. And she said, all you have to do is be one step ahead of the person behind you to help them. And she's like, that's it. And I'm like, and that shifted my thinking in my personal life, you know, running away from things like, what can I do? How can I make a difference and help that person? I'm um, just with that. I'm like, you're right. I've cleared that hurdle. I can help that person behind me clear that because I've done it. And so it's the same way professionally where I think people shortchange themselves. Some people are brilliant in, in coding and they don't see themselves that way. And I can't, maybe you've encountered that with some coders right. that are like mm -hmm. top notch, spot on. Um, or some are like, I could never speak. They're painfully shy. They want to sit behind their computer and they don't want to shine and put their expertise out there. And I'm like, if you could just overcome that or find a way to even do like webinars and things where you're not showing your face, if you don't feel comfortable with that at mm -hmm. first. I mean, when I started, I did audio seminars. We would dial <laughs> into the phone and pe people, people would have their, their handouts printed. They'd have to print out their yeah, PowerPoints yeah. and I'd be on the phone, mm -hmm. you know, doing that back in 2000 or 2001. Mm -hmm. And how I did that coming again, this all ties into what we're talking about and being that SME is when people are like, well, how did you get started? What I did years ago was there was a company called the Coding Institute and a lot of people are familiar with them. They did audio seminars and webinars for years. They put out a call for speakers one time and I said, you know what, I'm just going to submit my information and they contacted me and they wanted me to do audio seminars for them. And I did. And then I just started doing audio seminars for them, had a relationship with them over the years, started speaking at, you know, the local HIM association meetings, you know, moved up to FHIMA, speaking at the state level. And then just over time, like I, you know, like we were talking about earlier, when you start speaking, then people get to know you and then you have the reputation and then people will invite you like, hey, I'm an officer for this group over here. Could you come speak to us? Um, or when you apply for the next conference, if you got good reviews from the last conference, then they're going to bring you back, you know, if you're known to speak on that subject matter. So I have never, I can tell you, there's only, this just happened to me last year and it kind of ticked me off that this happened because it never happened to me before, but every, and I shouldn't say this because I shouldn't jinx myself, but every conference I had ever applied to, to speak to every single one had always accepted me all of them mm -hmm. and many of them repeat when I submit again or some seek me out and ask me to submit something. Mm -hmm. There was one organization that didn't select me that I had people, oh, you should apply to them, you should apply to them, you should apply, it's a radiology organization. Okay. And I did and they didn't pick me and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, <laughs> so if, I'm like, do you know what you're missing? You just don't <laughs> even know what you're missing. And the crazy thing is, is they were wanting to bring in new speakers to keep it fresh. And I'm like, I've never spoken at one of your conferences, so I don't know why you didn't pick me. But anyway, that was the only one. So it, that's a way to just do it. Start out like small, 
Um, okay. I would encourage people to try to break out of that fear of public speaking. Yes. You know, that is, you know, I, I was always painfully shy and people who know me professionally, they're like, oh, please, you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was very shy and very quiet. But once you start building your confidence, then it kind of, it, it just goes from there. But I also like to tell people this story because I'm talking to people who have that fear of public speaking or putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Like I had like years ago, a fear of flying and I still don't like it. Not a fan of it, you know, didn't like it. I can remember when I graduated high school, most of my extended family is up in New York. And so my parents are like, we'll go to New York. We'll have a graduation party up there, the whole family. I'm like, not going, not getting on a plane, not doing it, not happening. Not going to fly. Let's take a moment for a quick break. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education, created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified Podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. And now back to our show. And didn't fly, didn't fly my whole adult life until I got a job offer from HCA in 1999 after I finished my bachelor's degree um, at FIU. So you and I share that in common Mm -hmm. as well. We went to the same school and HCA offered me a job and they said, you have to come to Nashville and train for a whole week in Nashville. And I was freaking out out over that because <laughs> I'm like, I haven't been on a plane since I was like seven years old and oh, I have no. no desire to like be like on a plane. So I had to really think about that. And as much as I didn't want to do it and as much as it freaked me out, I said, you know what, Stacy? I'm like, you can either sit back and like, you know, stay in a job that's like going nowhere and, you know, be limited on your earnings potential, or you can get on that plane, you can face up to it and you can like move forward like in your career. I'm like, what are you going to do here? Um, because the type of work I wanted to do, you kind of think mm, down the road, you're probably going to have to to travel. And so I did. I got on the plane and went to Nashville and did my training and came back. 
I was like super nervous. I'm still not the most relaxed person on a plane <laughs> when I go, but I did it. And so that was like a huge hurdle for me. And then if you fast forward, you know, maybe what was it? six or seven years later, mm -hmm. I was on a plane all the time yeah. flying to speaking yeah. engagements mm -hmm. and traveling for different things. And, you know, even though I didn't love flying, I'm still not a fan. It's like, you kind of have to just like rise above it and do what you need to do to like advance yourself. It's like, if, let's say if I would have said, I'm never getting on a plane, mm -hmm. where would I be now? People wouldn't know me. I wouldn't be the subject matter expert. I wouldn't have what I have today, if I hadn't overcome that fear and just gone with it. And briefly, I had a job where I traveled every week, which is something I would have never pictured myself, you know, doing. Um, so it's the same thing with public speaking and putting yourself out there. And I just feel coders tend to be very shy and timid overall. Right, Don't right. you kind of, kind of find that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's the nature of the work where you have a certain personality. You want to sit behind the computer. Yep. Face to face to the book, face to the screen, face to the record. That's it. That's and, your audience. Exactly. <laughs> and like, and, and you and I are like the anomalies. We're like encoding, but we don't have that typical coder personality. Like we're like, we like talking about it. We don't like sitting behind the computer yeah, and yeah. doing it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do that. It's part of what we do, but it's not, I mean, like you're probably like me, you would prefer to be out speaking to people 40 hours a week than sitting behind a computer 40 hours a week. Right. Like I would, That that's just, you know, where I'm in my element. So, you know, I would just encourage people to kind of overcome those things, like just push, just do it, you know, push past it. I mean, people are way more forgiving, I think, and aren't as, I guess people are afraid of like failing or being criticized. Like I said, you're always gonna have that one jerk in a room that's gonna say something that, you know, is nice about you, but you have to, you know, push past that. So to get started, you know, just start, you know, offer to speak, you know, that that's like something speak at a local meeting. I mean, there it's a smaller scale, uh, maybe a little bit easier for people, you know, to do it in that setting. Another way, if people don't feel comfortable with the speaking and putting themselves out there right away, is there are always publications that are looking for people to write articles yep. or websites mm -hmm. that want blogs. Yep. I mean, you could be known as somebody who's sharing great content in a written format and you could start to get known as a subject matter expert that way. I mean, that's something that I did. People would say, Hey, can you write an article? Years ago, I wrote for the journal of HIMA. I've been mm -hmm. published several times in mm -hmm. there. APC healthcare business monthly published in there. I've done companies used to hire me to write articles for them, for their website and things of that nature. I mean, there's so many opportunities. Um, I mean, writing, you're not really going to get paid for it but it gets you the exposure. And so that's Correct. just a great way. Mm -hmm. They're always looking for new people to write and, and fresh content and things of that nature. And with so many people blogging, there's really no reason why you can't even, you could start your own blog if you wanted True. to. Mm -hmm. um, that has its own challenges in that I started a blog many years ago Did on you? something something not related to healthcare. <laughs> okay. But it's like trying to get people to read the blog. That's the frustration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it it helps if you already have like a platform and people know you for something like that. So that's where if you tag on to like other people and write for them, then you can kind you're helping them because they need content. But then also they're feeding people back to you. And you know it's the same with speaking engagements. Like I you know have had my own consulting company for 13 years now. I've done paid advertising and you know what? It doesn't work. The last company I worked for, we did paid advertising. Most of my business, most of my leads come from people hearing me somewhere, hearing me speaking right. or from, or from somebody who's used That's me, the they recommend yep. me. So it's getting yourself out there. So if you have any, you know, ambition of wanting to make this money, being a consultant, being a subject matter expert, 
These are all things you have to do. You can't just sit there and say, oh, how can a coder, yeah, coders make six figures. Yeah, right, that doesn't happen. You can easily make six figures as a coder. It is easily doable. Is it gonna happen overnight? No, it's no. not. It definitely can happen, um, you know, for sure. And there was somebody, was it, was it Victoria who did the video? The YouTuber on Yes, the, Victoria Mole. She did this, the six figure coder. I think she did something on that a while back. I think it was her. Um, oh yeah, yeah the, the video on that. Yeah, she did. And I'm, I'm going to add in here. She, I follow her on Instagram and um, she just released that she's going full time onto the YouTube channel. On doing YouTube? Yeah. That'll be interesting. Wow. <laughs> or is it, wow. or, or her contempo coding business. But I think she used to work for a full time employer and then she mm -hmm. released in her Instagram story. Like she, I think she, at the moment that she just sent her resignation letter, it just happened this week. And wow. uh, she was very okay. emotional about it, yeah. And so now she's full time yeah. contemporary coding, and I'm sure she's gonna do a lot of YouTube channels, YouTube episodes. Yeah, so, sorry, exactly. So, and it's you know, it's nice. I mean, if you can build something like she's building, like I've been building, it's like you have like more control. I mean, at this point in my life, if I had to go sit and do a 40 hour a week job for somebody else, I couldn't handle it, yeah, because I just, I, I mean, I used to work 60 and 70 hours a week for oh. myself. And that drove me nuts. Mm. And then I had health issues and went through a lot of stuff for a long time. And that makes you kind of look at life differently and think about where you're at and what you're doing mm. and how you want to be going mm. forward. And that like experience that I went through health wise and not being able to work for eight months, it wow. kind of, ch it changed like how I look at things and how I like want to live my life. And so this has just kind of been like an evolution. It's something I've always wanted to do. Like I always thought this was my thing. I'm going to build a multi-million dollar consulting company and I'm going to sell it and I'm going to retire. <laughs> that was what I always had in my mind. Well, that's really not that easy to do, you know, on the consulting side. But when you get into this online education and you start, you know, building this, you know, like I said, I'm going to add another course, you know, this year for diagnostic radiology. Um, and then I've got some other ideas where I want to work with other people and kind of bring in other people to kind of do the same thing. Now I have a proven model that we know that works. Good. Now it's a matter of how do we expand this to do other things and then get to the point where like, I want to be an education company. That's what I want to be known for. Nice. I, that's, that's always been my aspiration mm -hmm. when I started my company. So everybody knows me as RadRx. RadRx yeah. is a doing business as, you know, name. I started a company years ago in 2007, which is Virtual Coding Network mm -hmm. Incorporated. Mm -hmm. That's RadRx's VCN. And I started it with the intention of going fully into education oh, and not okay. doing anything else. But circumstances didn't, and I even have a website domain that I purchased all those years ago that mm -hmm. I still have. I renew it. I renew it because <laughs> I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe anybody had it. I'm not going to share it. I'll share it with you like off, you know, but I couldn't believe anybody didn't have it back then. And I'm like, I'm never letting it go. Cause I also thought somebody else is going to want this and they're going to offer me a million yeah. bucks for it mm -hmm. just to buy the domain. At least so get I the renew real estate, it. Yeah. Yeah. So I renew it. I renew it. I renew it, but I'm hoping to like use it, um, you know, with this. So that, that was always like my plan to go that education route and just a lot of changes with the industry. I mean, again, you could talk, I'm sure you've talked about that in past podcasts, how healthcare's changed overseas things, opportunities, you know, now we're looking at, we had CAC, we have outsourcing. Now we have artificial intelligence that's yep. coming into coding. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to see how well AI is going to do with coding and affect things. Um, so I'm like, well, we need, I'm like, for now we need education. It's a good route to go. But just, I found in my business with all that stuff going overseas, 
where I used to do a ton of like diagnostic radiology coding, outsourcing, things of that nature that like dried up. And then I'm like, how do I like make money? So then I'm like, well, now I'm going to focus only on IR and then, okay, now some of that gets shipped out too. How do I, so the education, it's like, you're always trying to like evolve with like, where can I put my energy to make the most, you know, income as things are, are changing. And now with healthcare being the way it is upended by the pandemic, again, the industry is facing challenges, you know, where's, where are we going to get the money? Like as a vendor doing coding services, I had my biggest client canceled their contract in October and they said, it has nothing to do with you. Mm, you know, your mm -hmm. services are great, yep. but it's low volume due to this and what we've been going through. So we know what happens in the business. We work, you know, with hospitals whenever expenses, you know, well, whenever revenue goes down and they're cutting expenses, they, everything has to go to patient care. That's mm -hmm. like a non-negotiable. So what do they do? They look at what they're paying out every month and they say, what is, you know, non-essential, you know, we know we're essential, but they don't necessarily see it that way. I'm like, okay, you may be canceling this contract, but do you realize you could be losing money? Cause what you pay me is a fraction of what you could be losing on your procedures. So I think it's a little short-sighted, but it happened. And so we may see more of that. Like, I think it's like a mixed bag right now. We don't know. I mean, did anybody think we would be sitting here in, in December in this situation that we're in with this? No, I certainly didn't think it would get worse than it was before. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, so how is this going to affect people that I work with who are my clients? And so how does that affect my business? So like I said, the online thing has kind of been what I have really relied on this past year. And so think about that. You as a coder, if you're sitting there and you know you lost you know your job you got laid off furloughed whatever or you're still not back to full time what if you had some type of side gig going on where you had this where if something goes away you're not completely without income you still have something and then you can build on it so i think we need to start thinking outside of the box of what else can i do right bring my, to i mean from the practical perspective how can you make more money for yourself with the uncertainty because we've always been told Healthcare, job security, no worries. You have a job in healthcare. And it's like, well, what did we see this year? We even saw clinical people being yep. furloughed and mm -hmm. laid off. And mm -hmm. it's like, I never thought I would live to see the day where yeah. the healthcare system would be decimated like it was in 2020. And it's still not back to where it was. And you have people looking for work. I'm like, that just is mind boggling yeah, to me. So if healthcare is not immune to that, then nothing really is. And I'm like, I just so this is all kind of timely and that I just want to encourage people to take that leap and that step. I'm like, just learn how to make money, you know, just sharing what you know. It's not as hard as people think it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I just wish I could shake people. I'm like, you have something here. Yeah, right. Do something with it. Right. Um, and it's fun too. And then, like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's great because you can go enjoy your life and do what you want and not be tied to doing something else. I mean, you're going to have to work, you know, your full-time gig for a while building something, mm -hmm. but I just, and you don't need, this is the thing. Like some people like think like a grand scale, like me, it's like when this stuff happened in the beginning of the year and I was like, oh my gosh. And like my customer base is being hit. They're losing their jobs. They're not going to pay me to take my course. My lender just canceled financing for my customers mm -hmm. because of COVID. They're not getting it. Hospitals like aren't like paying. And so I kind of briefly went into that panic mode. I'm yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. my gosh, this could be problematic mm -hmm. for me because the coding isn't going to be there with the hospitals not doing the outpatient services. And then I told myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, you don't need the whole world to come take your course. 
you only need a small number of people for you to come do this, for you to be okay and make enough money. And then once I was like, took a deep breath and thought of it that way, I'm like, no problem. I'm like, I didn't need a lot. I needed enough. And I ended up with more than what I actually had needed Good. to keep things going and keep things moving. So it doesn't need to be that you have like hundreds and hundreds of customers. You don't necessarily no. need that. Um, you could have a very small, loyal customer base right. mm -hmm. and still do very well with that customer yep. base. Mm -hmm. um, and then grow that over time and bring new people like in. So it's, yeah, that's just been like amazing. And like I said, everything looked like it was stacked against me. And I'm shocked that this was a record year for all the online amazing. stuff. That what was amazing considering what our industry is facing. So where do you, where do you think the, you said word, was it, was it most mostly word of mouth that you obtained this business in, in 2020? For, for the online course, a lot of it is word of mouth. It's referral. Nice. Um, I do pay referral fees for people okay. who share with right. their friends. Okay. Um, I know that you, we have that, you know, deal with medical coding geeks mm -hmm. where they get a discount. Yeah. Um, you know, for signing up. And then you also, I pay full disclosure, Brian gets referral fees too, but anybody does. You can refer your friend and you let me know you referred them. And then when they sign up, then nice. um, I'll send you a referral fee as well. Nice. But it's word of mouth. And then LinkedIn has really been a huge has it? assistance to me just Good. getting in front of more people. Good. I felt like I had exhausted, and you could probably comment on this too, because you have a Facebook business page and you have a group where Facebook used to be lucrative, but with all of the changes with Facebook, mm -hmm. you have to pay a lot of money now. It used to be a little bit of money, but you have to pay over the years, you have to pay more and more to get your ads and your content yeah, in front yeah, of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that now I have to pay you to get people who like my page to mm -hmm. see my stuff. And then even in the private really? groups, wow. when you're when I'm posting stuff, it's not reaching as many people when it's my private group. Because they're controlling what shows in somebody's feed. Oh, I didn't realize so, that. Yes. So if you've noticed maybe you're not getting as many views or as much activity in your online group, you have a lot more people in your groups than I do. Mm. But if you've noticed a drop in that, that's probably why, because they're curating that feed. They determine what the person sees. So unless someone knows to go into that and say, show me all posts, mm. they're not seeing it. So that opportunity just, oh, and then here's the funny thing about Facebook. Yeah. So I was doing a Black Friday special, right? Mm -hmm. Where I was doing like a special discount on the course. And this thing had been posted in my private groups and on my Facebook page for several days. And they tagged me. I woke up one morning and looked at my phone and they had tagged me and said that they were um, suppressing it because it was considered spam. Oh no. They were they were considering my post spam, okay? So I'm like, okay, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, most people took advantage of the offer already who saw it on Facebook, who saw it on LinkedIn, the same thing. And then it was like two days later, they sent me a, a notification telling me to boost my post, the yeah. one that they marked as spam. They were wanting me to pay to boost it. I'm mm -hmm. like, but two days ago, you just marked it as spam. I'm like, there's something Fishy. not right here. You're mm -hmm. telling me people aren't seeing it, but now you want me to pay to show it. I'm yeah. like, which is it? Um, so yeah, I've kind of, I'm done with them. It's just not what it used to be. So LinkedIn has really yes. mm -hmm. been where I've spent more of my time, um, in building relationships and connecting Good. people over there. Um, what I'm wanting to do is find like fresh content to put on face uh, or on LinkedIn, fresh posts. And that's where I'm struggling. So that's where maybe the YouTube thing, if I did that, then you could share the YouTube stuff over there. 
um, and kind of pull people over. Well, I think you have enough content that you just spoken already to to, <laughs> to post on LinkedIn, like little, like all the stuff they just talked about, about subject matter expert, even the stuff that you mentioned, uh, there were like little pieces of information that, that just yeah. went off the wall. I think if you, if I give you this recording, okay, and, and you sit down, okay, and basically you could take nuggets of information, five minute nuggets, because you went on a five minutes on one topic, five minutes on another topic, five yeah. minutes on another topic, and then you went back in a full circle. You just went straight talking. I don't know if you realize it for about... <laughs> about 30 minutes okay so i believe it yeah no right so i don't i don't i don't under and this is going to go back to to what i've been bugging you about it's like you have you just spoke for 30 minutes straight i i just sat here just like mm-hmm, yep mm-hmm, yep and the whole 30 minutes uh, yeah really? and i'm like i don't know why you don't have a podcast <laughs> yet if you can go on for th- at least at least at least like let's say for example i'm going to give out another uh, podcast name it's uh, alpha coding podcast uh, with Tony L. Holmes. She's in she's in the Orlando area. And um, she only does 15-minute uh, episodes. I mean, if you could ramble on for 15 minutes, I mean, 30 minutes here, you already have two episodes right there. Uh, all you got to do is slap on uh, introduction music and then, you know, just get the production in there. And then there, that's that's already there. And so if you're asking me, like, how do I get generate more business? Well, you just did it right there. You're sharing your, and that's the reason why you're here, is to share your your what you think, what your personal insights are, who you are, and I think that uh, people only know you as RadRx, but do people know you as Stacy Buck? You know what 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 are your insights in? Uh, you just mentioned healthcare, uh, AI, CIC, overseas. I mean, and you, I think you're just more. I think you're just limiting yourself to just IR, right? But I think you're just more right. than IR. And if you, I think if you if you take I mean, you've gone in your niche, right? Can you get out of your niche for just for a little bit and people appreciate you there and then bring them back to your IR? That's how you do it. And so yeah. uh, if you do that, I mean, you just rambled on for 30 minutes, right? Uh, circling yeah. everything around subject matter expert. I'm going to give you the recording. I'm going to give you the recording so okay. you can listen to okay. it, right? Not, not yeah. b- before all of this, before I release this, I'm going to give it to you. I want you. Here's your homework. All right. So. I don't know if you listened to my podcast on the LinkedIn. I released that. Did you? I did not. I'm going to. Okay. All right. So we're not going to talk about LinkedIn. (laughs) That's your homework. All right. So I did a, how many? I did uh, almost an hour talking about my strategies on LinkedIn. I just released it Thanksgiving. So Mm -hmm. listen to that. Number two, I'm going to give you your recording, right? I want you to listen to yourself. And notice how how I'm not talking. <laughs> okay, it didn't feel I'm like not, I was talking not, that long uninterrupted. So it did that, not. So that means you can do your own podcast if you because you keep on telling well, see, me. Okay, but this is the thing. People want me to do something about coding. I don't want to do coding. What you and I are talking about isn't coding itself. I could go on and on. And you know what? I just thought of a great name for my podcast, Stacy's Soapbox. There you go. Okay, write, write that down, please. Write that down. I want you to write that down. Okay. And by 2021, I just get, get on there and just like rant about yes, all kinds of things that you should. irritate me. You should. You and should. People would tune in to hear my rant. Here's here's another. I'm gonna give you another another homework assignment. I want you to listen to a comedian by the name of Bill Burr. Okay, Bill Burr. Okay. You you talk about uh, ranting and raving. He has a podcast twice a week. It's called Monday Morning Podcast. 
He does it Monday and Thursday for some reason. And so all he does for about maybe over an hour is rant. And people listen to that, right? Because when you're ranting, the, you know, people can, I, I guess the idea of when you're, re- when you're releasing, inform- you know, what you're releasing just now is people are going to relate to that, you see? Mm-hmm. So you're talking about people talking about, you're worried about, um, you know, what am I going to talk about coding? Yeah, okay, but everybody can relate to that. But there's other things that people can relate to. But you have a different perspective. You have different uh, insight. You have, a, you have a, a way of speaking about it that maybe people will be drawn to. Then they'll relate to it. So they might ask more about that. So you already have content right there, right? Uh, so I'm gonna. I want you to listen to my LinkedIn podcast. I'm gonna. I'm gonna email you this. Okay. Number two, I want okay. you to listen to the full recording. By the way, it's about an hour and forty five minutes. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> okay. So don't tell me you cannot do a podcast. Number three, I'm gonna give you. You're worried about ranting and raving. Listen to Bill Burr. Uh, by the way. Uh, if you watch The Mandalorian, he's on that. He's going to be on episode seven, by the way, I think, uh, to save Grogu if you guys watch <laughs> if you watch The Mandalorian. Uh, so, I do not. Oh, you don't? Okay. So for those that are no. listening, they would know. Uh, he's the sharpshooter uh, from season one. They're going to get him out of prison, and they're going to save the, the baby Yoda, uh, hopefully by episode seven and episode eight. Okay? So listen to uh, just, just, a few, just a few minutes of it, and you'll get an understanding of what, he, what he's all about. And that's all he does. That's all he does for the past how many years, right? So mm-hmm. I think you have enough content. Like, and, and also, when you're going to release a podcast, uh, don't, like you're, you're worried about time you know, deadlines. Who cares? Okay. Uh, I used to start off twice a week. And then once I got comfortable and kind of removed out a bunch of projects out of the way, it became once a week. So like November, I was worried about, okay, I have to, you have to do one every week. Well, I only did three episodes in that month. Am I worried about making a fourth one? No. So, uh, when you do podcasting, it's your own thing. It's your own thing. But the model that I have is that I create the podcast to 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 share my thoughts and insights on whatever I need to talk about. It draws to me, and then it's a marketing funnel, uh, as I mentioned with um, with Bertram. So when you create a podcast, it comes to you. It goes to RadRx. You know, you can create diagnostic. You, you could promote your upcoming uh, diagnostic radiology education modules that you're gonna uh, work on. Right. And you could talk about that. It's a pain in the butt to create this module. I have to deal with this. I have to deal with that. I have to do this and I have to do that. Do you understand how do you you know, I know there's a it's, it's a it's a process to create those modules. Maybe you could talk about that. Um, so there's a whole bunch of other stuff. It doesn't have to be an hour and 47 minutes and 53 seconds right. that we're running into now. Uh, like, for example, this one now and we're going to hopefully wrap up soon. Uh, this is going to be like. Maybe two episodes. So just think about that. And so Tony L. Holmes, 15 minutes. Uh, our episode is going to two hours. I'm going to split it into half. Okay. And you already have two episodes. Well, I feel like it's interesting. And like in this podcast, I feel like we did it to talk about becoming a subject matter expert. That's what I thought were, too. <laughs> but I don't I don't know that we necessarily covered that That's okay. That much. That's okay. It's all right. That's so, the... So what, well, no, like what, maybe what you could do is like for this one is like take the parts where it talks about the SME and focus it on that. And then maybe do the part two with like other stuff, like kind of, I'll other break it up. We had, um, 
to kind of do that because I don't feel like it has a good flow for the SME thing. We were kind of all over the place. That's okay. I'll um, edit it in a, in a way that it flows. Yeah. But no, I guess you're right. I mean, I don't, I think it's because people have this expectation. If you're going to do like a YouTube channel, like I, you know, they want to hear me talk about coding and I'm like, I'll talk about other things, but I don't want to talk about coding. Yeah. But I think like, you're, I, just, I, I just, think, I think the problem is you're, you're thinking of what other people want you to do. I think it's, it's a matter of what you, sh- what you think you should be doing. And so the same right. way, like Joe Rogan, he created the podcast. He didn't care what other people thought. He just, he just did what he does and look at him now. Yeah. He has a Spotify yeah. account. He has a, over a $100 million contract. He moved himself from California to Texas and so he has his own studio. He pays just I don't know. He pays his producer 150 grand a year. Wow. Right. Can you imagine? Yeah. So uh, on his own terms. So yeah. I think when you if you want to expand out to YouTube um, and, and I think the same way that you're doing it now, uh, do it on your own terms. You've been doing it that way. And I think that's the message that if we're going to wrap this up hopefully soon, uh, is if you're going to be a subject matter expert, right? Um, and I think you did it because you, you, you did not want to be controlled by corporate America. You wanted to, or just anybody, I think you wanted to get it under your own terms into where it was really, honestly, like, it's more like my passion. My passion has always been teaching. So it goes like, if you follow your passion, the rest of it does follow. It just does. And then there was always the money aspect of it too. But it wasn't the money. It was like, I enjoy this. Because when you first start doing it, you're not making anything, but you're still doing it. And then you're eventually you're like, hey, I can make money at yeah. this. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of you have that aha moment, um, which more people need to have. So, but it was more passion. And I do like talking. And it's like when I did the podcast with you last time, I like enjoyed it. It was like so much fun. And I remember one time I did a radio show, like a radio interview. Oh, did it was, you? I was pre- I was president of FHIMA. Oh, okay. And it was pri- it was privacy and security week. And one of the local radio stations, I went and sat there and it was like a two hour show. It was like a talk show. And it was like about health information and HIPAA privacy. I had so much fun being on the radio. Oh my gosh. I like loved it. I'm like, I could so like do this. Yeah. So the podcast like reminds me of that. I guess it's because like, I like you and I having a conversation, although I dominated the conversation. That's okay. Didn't intend to, <laughs> but I like like that idea of like, you're conversing with someone and you're both sharing back and forth. So I don't know if I could find a mix of that. I should probably just start simple and feel it out, just recording stuff on my phone and yeah. just posting it mm-hmm. and seeing what kind of reaction yes. I get yeah. and going from there. So there you have it. That concludes my interview with Stacy Buck from RadRx. You could check out Stacy on LinkedIn. You could also check out our company, RadRx, by going to radrx.com. Also, I did want to share that she will be going live on Monday, February 15th with Cracking the Diagnostic Pediology Code Online Education. Basically, this is eight modules, 13 CEs. You'll have 24-7 access and access to the material for six months. And also, you'll have Q&A support during your entire time of enrollment. So if you're interested in learning more about diagnostic radiology, go to radrx.com and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to radrx, use our special promo code GEEK10, G-E-E-K-1-0 for special pricing. Medicalcodinggeek.com
I'm going to stop recording, by the way. Hold on. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're like off that stuff now.